Constructive Voices, the podcast for the construction people with news, views and expert interviews. Hello and welcome to Constructive Voices. I'm Steve Randall and following on from our two special episodes recorded at our COP26 roadmap event, we continue the theme of sustainability this time. Henry MacDonald will be talking to the team behind Changing Streams whose aim is to reduce the construction industry's reliance on plastic. Not every plastic can be recycled. So it requires everybody to work together. It requires the manufacturers to work with the contractors, to work with the supply chain, to work together to understand what the impacts are. And if they work together, I think they might find better solutions. And Peter Finn, Pete the Builder, is here, of course. We'll talk in just a moment. Constructive Voices media partner in Ireland and the United Kingdom is Construction Industry News. Since 2002, Construction Industry News has been focused on the very latest projects and developments within the UK and Ireland. So, Peter Flynn, Pete the Builder, how are you? We're into December already. Can't believe we're coming to the end of the year and heading towards Christmas. What a year. We can nearly hear the jingle bells already, Steve. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, been a, it's been a very fast year. Obviously, it's been a interesting period of time with with so much going on in terms of uh, the sustainability and the efforts that are being put in in all industries but in particular in construction to try and get ourselves into a position where our in uh, our planet is is not being negatively influenced by our our construction works in our last episode and if if you haven't heard it please please go back and listen our last episode was um based around our event that we did um, with an amazing panel of experts talking about some of the things that had been discussed at COP26 and really the roadmap for the built environment sectors. I mean, we had some amazing experts talking about some incredible things there. One of those experts is Neil Maxwell. He's an ex-construction boss, and he founded Changing Streams. And we're going to be hearing from Neil and also Wendy Jones, who's a science engagement lead at Changing Streams. And this is all about using different materials, building better with with better, more sustainable materials. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the event that we had was was brilliant. Uh, such an honour to be involved in it, and uh, you know, still still buzzing after. Being honest, because uh, to get so many people to to come and contribute the way that they did, I really do think that it's something that uh, other people will learn a lot from listening into and. Hopefully we can educate people a little bit and also hopefully people will, will take a bit from it. So please do listen back to that one. And then today we're going to be speaking to Wendy Jones and, and yes, Neil Maxwell is is, is a, a man who had a life-changing moment where he he basically was was working in construction and, and doing quite well. And then he, he, he went on, on, a, on a cruise and he kind of got to see some of the the damage that has been done. Um, mainly plastics is, is, is what... Uh, what the Changing Streams team are, are trying to change because as a construction industry, we do use plastics a massive amount. Plastic is, is a good product, but I think we've all had that moment at Christmas time. Christmas is, is not too far away, but we've all had that moment where the kids pull apart all the, the toys and you look at the amount of packaging that's left after it and you actually say to yourself, this is just like beyond belief that there's so much packaging goes into such a small item that's left at the end. And you actually have to say to yourself, like, is this really necessary? And the answer is very simply no. The way that we transport our materials at the moment re- relies he- heavily on plastic um, and plastics because of the, you know, you want the, the products to be transported and kept clean, kept dry and kept in a kind of a, a safe, uh, nicely wrapped up environment. And plastic is the perfect material for that. 
So that is a huge um, aspect that, I, that you know, changing streams are looking into. And they basically have a very good attitude towards this. They know that this is not a, a very quick fix. You're not going to suddenly just remove all plastics from construction but if we can do it in a phased way it's more attainable and it's more realistic to do it that way so their actions have started to to get some uh, some traction now and they they have some big news coming in in, in our interview that uh, it looks as though they've they've got some big hitters on board and you know rolling over from from what we've just done in our in our in our cop 26 event it's great to hear some good news it's great to hear that people are and, and big hitters and, and people who are, are high up in the industry and big companies in the industry are starting to take this serious. They're starting to come on board and they're starting to take action. It's absolutely brilliant news. Excellent. Well, let's hear that interview and then we'll come back and chat more, Pete. We've talked about changing streams on Constructive Voices before, and Neil Maxwell and Dr. Wendy Jones joined us at our COP26 event. But let's find out more about their drive to reduce plastic use in the construction industry. They've been talking with Henry MacDonald. Well, I think I'll start with Neil first. Uh, Neil, it's recently been announced that the biggest UK's biggest regeneration business, PLNP, have joined forces with Changing Streams. Can you tell us about the practical aspects of this new alliance? Yeah, thanks, Henry. Yeah, well, basically, this is uh, great news for us because it's the first large developer to have signed our charter as a commitment to reducing their plastic use in the construction process within their business. The project will look at where sustainable alternatives can be used. And we know so far there's been very little effort to understand how why plastics are used in the construction sector. And more importantly, where it may be exchanged for something more suitable. This is a, a pioneer project for both Peel and Changing Streams, which is a first step in a long-term plan to understand uh, this from a, an academic perspective. The aim is to build on this knowledge over the coming years, which will be used to better inform an industry and how changes can be made and how we can lobby government for policy changes to basically respond to the green Build Back Better agenda. How significant do you see this joint venture with regard to reducing plastic in the construction industry? Well, the significance is huge, quite frankly. Um, As I said just then, nobody else is doing this uh, in this way. Of course, there are are kind of a lot of groups, uh, discussion groups, talking about plastic, plastic steering groups, about what what is happening with plastic in construction, mainly focused on SUP, single-use plastic, which is highly important. But there's nobody that's actually doing anything from a a practical level um, that's backed by academic rigour. And I think these these studies will be the first steps towards changing our behaviours in the construction sector and educating people that operate within that sector to work better, work smarter, work more efficiently, work more sustainably. Are there any other major players in the business who you're in discussions with, even at a, even at a tentative level? Yeah, well, we, we can't give too much away at the moment because I've, yes. I've got some news coming out um, very very shortly that yes. you'll see, hopefully, fingers crossed, before Christmas. Um, the deal's been signed. We're just finalising, ratifying the contracts now. But we've signed up a large housing uh, association, which is significant, and the project we'll be doing with them is significant. We've got two house builders as well involved now that want to do different things with us. Both have a different requirement in terms of what their ambitions and their aims are. And, of course, we have Arab involved. Um, Arab, as people will know, is an international infrastructure firm. 
operating in, I think, 93 countries around the world, employing thousands of people. We're working with them at the moment on understanding how uh, plastics are used and also writing a new document uh, as a guideline to help people to understand where they may be able to make changes. Uh, looking very into the big global picture here, Wendy, did you see or hear anything at COP26 that was addressing, in a practical sense, alternatives to plastic use? I wasn't there, but um, I have spoken to people who were there. There was a lot of it, I think, was about reducing fossil fuels and about, you know, those those sort of negotiations. But there were over 100 companies there from the construction industry. And while they were looking a lot at things like, you know, the, the big components, if you like, of construction, you know, reducing cement, which is a huge player in the carbon zero agenda, I think, um, you know, that there is an acknowledgement that plastic, because of its embodied carbon, is an important factor in this. And and we see that as as a a factor in view of the fact that if fossil fuel for energy reasons is going to be reduced, there's going to be more of a pressure really from the petrochemical industry to use the fuel for plastic. Can you elaborate on that a bit in terms of why would they do that? Well, because if they're, if they're selling less fossil fuel to the energy industry, they want to sell it somewhere else, don't they? Quite simply. Yeah, so, uh, so obviously they'll have to come under pressure as well to reduce their plastic production. Absolutely, yes. Were there any agreements made in relation to plastics at the summit? I'm not aware of that. No, I'm, I'm not aware of it either. So, so the, 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 that's maybe on, on the agenda for the uh, Sharm El Sheikh? One would hope so. Together next year, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of the university now, Wendy, can you elaborate more about your own projects and what you and Changing Streams are doing in terms of developing these alternatives? Well, I'm I'm very much a liaison person, not currently you know lab based or anything, but I'm working to identify scientists and uh, computer engineers and people like that who can work with us to look at, for example, ways of developing more information for the industry about what's available in terms of plastic use, looking at alternative sources and looking at what entrepreneurs are doing within the university sector, not just in Liverpool, but across the country, really, to identify options and see how we can take these to a point where they become viable commercial options, which I think is, with a lot of them, is a little way off, really, because you've got to look at all the regulatory aspects as you would with pharmaceuticals or nutrition products or whatever else the alternatives have to be fit for purpose or people are not going to use them you talk about entrepreneurs at universities across the uk and so on is there anything that stands out that's being developed at the moment one thing that was that's interesting that the university of liverpool have done was to develop a, a completely wood building over at the botanic gardens in ness which has been in construction and in use as a meeting room for a couple of years. And that's, that's quite an interesting departure. And I think that's the sort of thing that we can build upon. You've basically answered my question, uh, Neil. You, you, COP26, it didn't really um, come up with practical sort of points or guidelines, did it, for, for reducing plastic in construction this time around? Not specifically that we, we came across. We need to see more detail, which we're still awaiting. Um, but I'm actually encouraged by the investments being made towards a greener future. You know, initiatives like the, uh, the Clean Green Initiative uh, to scale up public and private investment in a sustainable infrastructure, which is highly important, and the Build Green Infrastructure. Of course, we've got the new Environment Act in uh, 2021 that was uh, agreed at COP26. 
that makes a breakthrough for sustainable construction, which which is legally binding. Uh, but it targets air pollution, biodiversity, water quality, and waste. But it's still very little details, if any, on plastics. But of course, those elements take in plastics naturally because yeah. the biodiversity, the pollution, the water quality, etc., is all impacted by plastic. So we still need to see a lot more detail on that. When that comes through, I'll be reading it with uh, with great interest. In your conversations on sustainable materials uh, as an alternative to plastic, back in October, I noticed that you touched on the issue of a plastic <laughs> tax. Uh, two questions really on this. The first is, do you actually believe it is a useful tool? And secondly, are you not concerned that the prospect of a plastic tax might put off hard-headed construction CEOs rather than win them over to your side? I think the plastic tax falls short in various areas, not least in the, the responsibility of the producer rather than the user. Of course, constructors, contractors are the user, not the producer. So the plastic tax is levied against the producers themselves. Now, in the immediate term, I don't think contractors will see a great deal of impact once it comes in in April 2022. But going forward, within the next coming six to 12 months, I suspect uh, they'll start seeing increased prices for goods because those that tax has been applied. They, they're relying on 30% of the packaging to be recycled material. And if not, it's £200 per ton charge levied on the product. But of course, the difficulty with the construction sector is that there's so many different types of plastic and it's the it's the, the difficulty is educating people and having that knowledge to know what can be recycled and what can't be recycled because, of course, not every plastic can be recycled. So it requires, I think, everybody to work together. It requires the manufacturers to work with the contractors, to work with the supply chain, to work together to understand what the impacts are. And if they work together, I think they might find better solutions. That's a common theme across all that could service all because otherwise there's going to be the producers doing one thing and the contractors doing another. And it, it's it's not it doesn't go far enough in my view. And Wendy, what's your view of, of the usefulness of a plastic tax? I do agree with Neil, but I, I think that ultimately we do have to have policy changes. You know, it's, it's all very well expecting people, consumers to make changes, whether it be in their supermarket shopping or whether it be in their personal care products or whether it be in construction. But at the end of the day, that is not going to drive sufficient change that the world needs. And I think ultimately there has to be policy change. Now, whether policy change has to be done with a carrot and a stick and the stick would be the tax, then that's that's still up for debate, I think. But I think ultimately we have to get enough evidence to be able to take it to government and say, look, we have to have policy change. And if, if a tax on plastic use is part of that, like we have a, a tax on... Uh, fuel well so be it it's also very difficult for businesses not many businesses uh you know can understand how much plastic packaging waste they use or waste they don't have the ability they don't have that knowledge and that uh, ability to collect that data so it's really hard for these companies to break that out uh, into real uh, quantifiable terms but that's an area where we can help as changing streams because we go into these companies, manufacturers, contractors, and we can do pieces of research, pieces of consultancy with those companies to help them to understand that better. And this is where we 
we benefit, clients, our clients benefit from us because we act as that bridge between academia and industry. We go into industry from an academic perspective and help them to become greener, to understand those the plastic packaging that they're using and measure that if we can, and also provide a report which will help them to reduce their usage, uh, that reduces waste output and reduces the costs to the business, which is all a positive thing. So people should be encouraged to come and talk to us because that's that's exactly what we can help them with. I mean, in terms of people talking to Changing Streams, can you quantify, the, even in a rough way, how many approaches you've been you've you've had since setting up from building building firms and construction businesses? Significant amounts of people. Um, we one of the things we did during COVID, we had time to review the business, so we kind of launched memberships, um, and that's been really successful. Um, we're relaunching that, I think, very in the very near future, as we've built our infrastructure now a lot more. We've we've got interest from a lot of people. We we've spoken to some. Some of the largest organisations in the UK, including the largest um, building supply company um, in the UK, one of the largest in Europe. We've spoken to one of the largest house builders in the UK. We are speaking to the largest housing associations. We're in discussions with Central, uh, with with the City of London. Um, They operate everything in the square mile in London. So we're in discussions with them about how we can help them to reduce the plastic footprint. So there's been a great deal of activity. Of course, it takes a lot of time to do all this. I mean, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but we've been going since 2019 and we've achieved, made significant steps. And I think 2022 will be a transformational year for us because that's the year that we start in earnest with real work, with real projects, real research and real consultancy. So this time next year, we'll be having a different conversation, hopefully, and we'll be able to then be in a position, I'm hoping, to be able to present at Sharm el-Sheikh. Ideally, we'd, we'd like to present there because it's important. This is a highly important piece of work that we're doing. There's a lot of emphasis, as we know, COP26 was around the global warming, around reduction of carbon, uh, reducing temperatures of 1.5 degrees. We've all become carbon junkies, which is fine, because that's highly important. But I don't I don't think you can uh, discard the other elements in, in that, because we need to bring those other elements into play. We can't just go down one route and say, well, we're going to hit carbon, we're going to reduce the fossil fuels, we're going to not burn so much oil, et cetera, so forth and so on. You've got to bring the other aspects in. Plastic is a big aspect of that. So in the in the world, we produce 380 million tonnes of plastic a year at the moment. 20% of that goes to the construction industry. And the construction industry in the UK generates 50,000 tonnes of plastic packaging waste a year. Now, when I tell you the plastic production is due to triple by 2040, that's a, a danger point because... It takes fossil fuels to produce plastic. So you you aren't going to achieve your carbon goals if you ignore the plastic. On a practical level, uh, tell us about your plastic-free July. Was this confined to Merseyside in the northwest? Just not or? at all, not at all. No, Henry, it was it was it was across the country. I, I wasn't actually on Merseyside in July, but certainly there was plenty of activity in the in the local area here in Scotland where I am. Lots of local initiatives going on. The schools had projects going on, and various voluntary organisations as well. 
And I think that leads into into the the whole concept that we we need to educate people at all levels. You know, I mean, Neil's doing very important work with Gareth within the university. But at the end of the day, you're going to have small contractors going into people's houses thinking, oh, I'm going to be using a lot of plastic here. But that's what the consumer expects at the moment. You know, you go into anybody's kitchen, you go into anybody's dining room and, you know, um, contractors are going to be reluctant to say, well, I think you ought to use plastic free paint here because they don't they don't want to be evangelists. They just want to go in, get the job, get out again. And I think, you know, the drive is going to come from consumers as well as from the big housing and building organisations. And do you think it starts in the schools? I mean, we, you know, your, your grandchildren, James and Zoe, advise <laughs> 28 points of advice on plastic, uh, which is fantastic. It's great. Uh, do you think that should be part of this, this now needs to be sort of part of citizenship or green awareness classes? I think if I look at the primary schools here, I think it is. Um, I'm sure it isn't across the country, but I've been very impressed at the work they've done here. I think as, as a grandparent, I think we need to keep a balance here because I think we've got to keep a balance between encouraging children to be very aware and not scaring the life out of them. You know, I see children who are very anxious about climate change, you know, and if they can't go for a walk on the beach without getting anxious about the amount of plastic on the beach, you know, I think it's good that they go on litter picks. I think it's good that they try and help to introduce initiatives at school. You know, they have an eco committee at the school here and they do all sorts of things. But one of the things we've been doing is to is to is to look at introducing an education programme as it were, badged by changing streams. Um, I don't know if Neil wants to say a bit more about that, but but also, interestingly, I had an approach this week from the University of the Third Age, which is the education at the other end of the spectrum. They want us to get involved with doing something with them as well. So I think, you know, there's there's education, and they would be the people who might be the people buying the new kitchens or the new, you know, having having new conservatories built. Yeah, good point. And Neil, uh, so changing streams is going into schools then? Well, we're looking at it at the moment. I mean, it's highly, it's important that we cover all areas, really, and there's only so much we can do, but we are we're working with a teacher that's a, a UN-qualified teacher in sustainability. So she's, she's an ambassador for the UN, and she's qualified to teach um, a lecture on sustainability. So she's helping us to map out an educational piece which is targeted at young children. But um, yeah, and, and as Wendy says, it's not about frightening kids. We've got to make them aware, but we've also got to help them to understand there's a problem, understand what can be done, how we can behave differently, give them some hope about the future, because the last thing we want to do is create more um, what we call eco-anxiety. Very, very interesting you say that about eco-anxiety. I don't know if you are, but I'm a regular listener to The Archers, and there's a young right. character on at the moment uh, who is very eco-anxious she's she bangs on about it morning and at night on yeah, the show when she's on so it might be worth listening into is it yeah it can be really overwhelming i mean we i get overwhelmed sometimes you know i have good days and bad days i mean we're, we're all just normal you know it's it's you read some stuff sometimes i don't watch the news so much these days because it just it's mm. just negative um uh, i know i shouldn't say that but i mean it's uh, I do get anxious sometimes by what I read and what I learn. By being in this space, there's more people that want to send you information because they think you should know about it. And a lot of times it's negative stuff rather than positive stuff. Our work is focused on increasing the positive rather than 
reducing the negative. So we want to help people to design and build in more planet-friendly ways. We want them to build stuff, the outcome of which is using less fossil fuels, using less carbon, using less plastic. We want them to think about the purchases. We want to think about the processes because, of course, the processes in of selection of materials in this business, there's no rigor to it. It's just simply personal choice much of the time. And there's a, there's a thing in construction called value engineering, which is just a, a posh term for cost cutting. That's all it is. You know, we, well, we haven't hit the target, so we need to do some value engineering. Value engineering? No, it's just cost cutting. So the, the architects and the clients um, have agreed something, and then it gets engineered down, reduced. Contractors are under pressure then. The margins are tight anyway. So to to find something that meets the requirements of the performance of the building at the cost point that's needed to deliver that project becomes very, very difficult which is why plastic is used extensively in the business. So we've got to look at those ways as well. So those educational pieces around those processes are really important to understand why we should pick product A over product B. And it might be something as shallow as both products are the same, other than one's got more plastic in the other. Both have the same performance criteria. Both are cost neutral, so they're both the same cost. But actually, product day is chosen. It might have more plastic in it, but product day is chosen because the buyer goes out for a pint with the seller. Mm-hmm. And that's as shallow as it is. There's no rigor in it. It's just like it's personal. So yeah. we've got we've got to try and break that down and make it more robust. There are systems in place that require you to be more objective in your purchasing processes. And looking at the building industry, Wendy, and as scientists sort of looking slightly outside into the industry, do you think this business is willing and able to shift away from plastic use? I think there are what you might describe as the early adopters, Henry. I think there are people that that Neil has told you about that we've spoken to. Definitely there's a move. There are people who are interested but not sure whether they can commit they're thinking oh it's going to cost a lot of money going back to what i was saying earlier i think getting the smaller builders is going to be really hard because i think they're very constrained on on costs and time and all those things and paying attention to what's involved i think is going to take some time which is why i think there's a a wider education piece to do the other thing that i think may come through which will influence people's views about this is as we learn more about what the possible health effects of plastic are on the human environment you know we know about the turtles in the sea and we know about you know what goes on on the beaches and all that sort of thing what we don't really understand properly as yet is what the effect of plastics shedding off our built environment is and what that does to us. You're talking about our, what it does to our bodies, then. Our, yeah, absolutely. Our, what what the health impacts can be of breathing in small particles of, of plastic. We we really don't know that at the moment. And I presume that's the case also for consumption in terms, you know, what, what food you absolutely. eat. Absolutely. Well, we know we know that we're eating the equivalent of a credit card's weight in plastic every week. Seriously. Yep. Where does that uh, fact come from? U- University of Newcastle in Australia. That was a piece of research that they did. And the output was that report that suggested that on on average, the human being consumed one credit card of plastic every week. 
Well, that is it. That is something new for me. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'm quite taken back by that. And it's, yeah. it's always been said, you know, it has been said up to now, oh, well, it's an inert material. We don't know that. We know that, you know, there are things that we do know about the effect of plastics on, the so- in, on organisms in the soil, that it slows down their reproduction capabilities. You know, we don't know whether that affects humans as well. And it's going to be a while before we know about it. You know, years ago, people said, oh, asbestos is the best insulating material you can get. That obviously applies both in terms of breathing and eating to anyone working in the building industry, because they're going to be surrounded by a lot of plastic. Absolutely. I've spoken to builders who say, I know when I've been working with polystyrene or I've been working with insulating material, I can feel it in my lungs. We shouldn't be scary about it because we don't know that we don't have the data at the moment. But there is a lot of work beginning to come out. I've, I've... seen that there's work coming out and i think that will be something else another watch this space thing okay in terms of watch this space a far final question we've got two final questions for you is the first when the uh, and i'm sure uh, neil will want to chip in here too after cop 26 are you more optimistic that the world has woken up to the impact of plastic on the environment or should it be asking you that question after sharmel shake next year my thought is it's 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 a slow burn I don't think COP26 made a dramatic impact on people's understanding of the of the effects or the need to reduce plastic per se. I think there were other bigger things on the agenda. Oh, I, I agree, Wendy. The emphasis this year, quite rightly, was on the carbon reduction. Uh, but as I said earlier, we need to bring that plastic question into the equation because it's not a binary option. You can't, you, you shouldn't really lead on one and not, not really consider the other. And considering SUPs in isolation to say that uh, dealing with it is not sufficient enough, we do need a lot more leverage on that. We do need to we do need to improve, increase awareness about it, and bring that into the equation a lot stronger. Now we know that the carbon reduction program is now being looked at within the planning process. So it will become a condition of planning at some point in the future. We think in quite the near future, that's what we hear. As part of the planning approval process, you'll be required to achieve X, Y, Z carbon goals. Well, we'd like the plastic element to be attached to that as well. So watch this space because that's what we're hoping for. So I think Wendy's right. There'll be more on plastic in Charles Sheik. And I think that's when we start to really raise the profile of the the damage that's being done. I think also there's the issue that, you know, at the moment, there's quite a, a feeling with plastic. Well, if we can recycle it, that's good. And I think the answer is that recycling plastic prevents it being single use, whether it's something that you've used once in a building or whether it's single use packaging. But at the end of the day, that plastic has been taken out of the ground as fossil fuel and it is going to end up either in our environment as microplastics or it is going to end up going for pyrolysis to be turned into fuel or it is going to be incinerated, producing greenhouse gases. Recycling is the answer to stuff that's already in the system because it's giving it another use. But allowing that to be a reason for producing and using more plastic is not the answer. So, I mean, Neil, uh, pandemic permitting, the mutating pandemic permitting, we will see a presence of uh, um, changing streams at, at the summit next year? Well, let's hope so. That would be an ambition of ours. We missed out this year because we really didn't have anything to report of significance. Uh, this time next year, we, we should have something coming out. As I say, we, we're making a big announcement before Christmas, hopefully, about this housing association 
which will be in the press uh, and on the news, hopefully. That's a big project, and that will produce lots of data, lots of papers, which will be shared through the open market as as that comes through. And it's very important that this information is um, is, is shared with everybody. You know, we, we, it's quite important that we share this with the industry as a whole. And it's not to give anyone or any organisation a commercial edge or a commercial gain. We're not about that. So this has got to be shared uh, throughout industry to help everyone to understand what can be done, how it can be done, and where it can be done. And that research and that consultancy continues and we would welcome anybody that's interested that's operating in this space, manufacturers, contractors, developers, pension funds, anybody that is involved with the built environment, we'd welcome discussions with those people so, so we can help them to respond to this green agenda and help them to align their plastic goals with their carbon goals. You would also agree with Wendy that the, the you, well, to an extent that the, the industry is starting to listen. I think I think they are starting to listen. Absolutely, yeah. And as Wendy said, there's there are believers and non-believers. Let's put it that way. Um, so recently, we we were developing a, a a piece of work with a three-party setup. So that was a developer, a contractor. And the University of Liverpool and us. So, you know, we act as one, if you like. And it required each party putting in a significant amount of money. There was also a project manager involved as well. So each each organization had to put equal amounts of money in to do a piece of research. The developer wanted to build a exemplar building that that works towards a plastic-free or a plastic-less, plastic-reduced, healthy building, taking the carbon reduction programs into consideration, but also bringing the plastic into the equation. That project never got off the ground. And here's why. The contractor agreed to put the money in. A project manager agreed to put the money in. We agreed to put some money in. The developer said, no, it's too much. We'll plant some trees. There are still barriers there. Now, conversely, you've got developers, much bigger developers like Peel, that are willing, uh, that are, are being very brave, willing to put their reputation on the line to support this because they recognise the importance of this piece of work. And this pioneer project that we're doing with them is the first of its kind ever to be done in the world. So that's a, that will create a version one tool which will deliver on the basis of measuring your plastic consumption and use and reduction in a construction process. So that's really exciting for us. So our work will continue. And, you know, thinking back to that epiphany-like trip you had uh, to the Arctic, did you really think you would be here today doing no. this? No, it just wasn't on my radar. Yeah, I, When we've previously spoken, Henry, you know, I told you that uh, I went to the Arctic with not, no more expectations and uh, come back with some cool memories are some pretty good photographs um i didn't expect it to impact my life this much but coming face to face with the 
the devastation, the destruction the human race are causing to this planet. I just felt I had to change. And, you know, my first reaction was to get rid of my business, which I've had at that point, 30 years, uh, office refurbishment to fit our business, get rid of that and focus on this. Discussions with a professor at the University of Liverpool suggested that that wouldn't be a great idea at the time. Use that business to become an exemplar in in, in that in that space and talk from that platform. Um, so my work continued with our business and with Change Streams, although Change Streams was uh, at that point very very light touch at, at uh, in the early stages. But more recently, in March this year, I have now sold my shares in that business and my, all my time and effort now is concentrated on changing streams so that is my my life now that's that's my work you know i've got like wendy i've got grandchildren and it's important that we do this work because you know i want my legacy to be something that my grandchildren and their children could look back and say well at least Pappy did something about it. What happens in future, we don't know. Nobody's got a crystal ball, but at least we're doing something about it and not sitting on the fence. Constructive Voices, the podcast for the construction people. So, Pete, we've heard from Neil, we've heard from Wendy talking about, you know, changing streams and eradicating or reducing the amount of plastic use. But this actually is our first opportunity to to talk more about COP26 and particularly our event, um, which was featured heavily in the last episode. How are you feeling about the challenge? And I know I know you always say that the construction industry is very adaptable and always rises to meet these challenges. But how are you feeling about the challenge ahead to build in a more sustainable way and to embrace the opportunities that are there? Um, I suppose, Steve, it's, it's very simple. When when you get faced with a challenge, you really have to decide how committed are you to get over that challenge. And normally in construction, the challenges are, you know, maybe you've got to learn a different way to achieve a, a, a larger span. Maybe you've got to do something that is, is very difficult and you've got to organize and prepare properly for it in terms of the way, you know, the methods you use. When it comes to this challenge, we have got the, the best uh, invested interest that you could ever possibly have. And that is the reality of where we're at is if we keep doing what we're doing with our planet, we are going to depreciate our planet at a very rapid scale. You know what, me and you, Steve, <laughs> we may not be around to see the real damage that happens. It's the generation after us and, and hopefully the generation after them again that we need to start thinking about. And this is a global issue and it's a, it's a, it's, it's not just for the construction industry, but we're construction people and we need to start doing what we can in construction and what we discussed in our last episode it presents alternatives it, it gives clear indications of where we're at but there was just so much really va- valid information there and it gives me great hope if i'm honest because you know sometimes when you look at, at a challenge you go just look i just can't I, I just can't see how we're gonna actually be able to do this there's a lot of naysayers there's a lot of people that are are in industry to make money only and they kind of will brush past the the issues of uh, sustainability because maybe their profits aren't in it. Whereas what I always do with this subject, the same as nearly every subject or any situation that I come up against, I try and look at the positives and try and see where the niche is. And I've said this several times before, there is opportunity uh, coming all the time. It's a bit like what, what we heard earlier on in, in, in the Changing Streams part. You know, use the old plastics and recycle them and, and use them in a, in a more positive way rather than them just becoming, you know, just like a cesspit of dump. 
The biggest thing that has to happen is people's minds have to change. And it's not only the people on the ground, it's also the people in government, it's also the people in, in higher places. And now that we have proper clarity and we've got proper scientific backup and we have research done and we have people that have been heavily invested in this for a long period of time, intelligent people that are looking at this with an open mind. We were very lucky to have so many of those people on our event. It does give me great hope and it also presents the picture the way that it needs to be looked at from all different aspects, from all different angles. We can't suddenly just stop everything that we're doing and start again. We can't just suddenly start changing everything that we do overnight. But we do need to start and we do need to get proactive. And again, a bit like what was said from the Changing Streams team, you know, have a target of changing 10% first, then have a target of changing the next percentage, the next percentage, and get ourselves into a position where we're still able to work um, and do our our normal day-to-day jobs and do it in an environmentally friendly way. Construction is a creative industry. People like to get creative. People like the process of creating something. And so I imagine, I mean, as I've said many times, you know, my background is media, yours is construction. But in the creative side of things, there's a link there because, you know, I get excited when new platforms come along or new ways of creating content comes along. And it must be the same for you in construction that actually to have kind of some new ways of doing things, using new materials, trying to do things that are achieving an objective, in this case, buildings being net zero uh, by 2050. You know, these challenges are are exciting, aren't they? Absolutely. Like, this is going to sound a bit mad, but when you think of a creative person, who who's the first person that comes into most, people mind, most people's minds? They think of Leonardo da Vinci. He was so far ahead of his times that he was, you know, an awful lot of people thought he was actually crazy because he was thinking of stuff that was completely out of the norm at the time. But he was a, an artist, but he was also a creator. He was an inventor. He was a very practical, hands-on type of a person. Now, we are kind of, we're not starting from a blank canvas the way that maybe he was way back when, but people now, creators and inventors and people who have that creative edge to them, they have the opportunity now to look and, and they're already doing it, by the way. This is not something that, you know, isn't happening. This is happening at the moment. There's scientific research going on and there is so much creativity happening in the world but it's so exciting there's such an opportunity and there's also a push and a will for people to try new things so if you're a creator if you are the modern day Leonardo da Vinci here is your canvas here is your opportunity to go and do this and I always say this I encourage people to take the opportunities here that are coming there is huge opportunity here there's nothing wrong with somebody doing well and making some money and doing well in terms of saving the planet or helping the planet so do you know what Great opportunities out there. So exciting. So interesting times. And it, again, it's endless. The, fa- the facets and, and the different directions that people can go in when it comes to construction and it comes to just the world in general is, is just so open. And I don't think any idea or any creative opportunity here will be laughed at at this point. I think everybody is willing to try something and is willing to listen. If you had told me that people would be driving around in electric cars, even 20 years ago, I would have laughed at you. But look at it now, like, you know, already that's really after starting to happen. You know, an awful lot of buildings are now ran without fossil fuels, 
renewable energies are literally uh, part of, of our, our day-to-day life, but there's still a big catch-up to be done. And it's really about how we get there as quickly as we can. Exciting times ahead, and I, I get a buzz out of it, but, you know, unfortunately, it's it's a, it's a obviously a very serious subject. But you know what? If you can, if you can try and you know, have a bit of fun with what you're doing and be creative about what you're doing and create an interest in what you're doing. It's a, it's a, it's a huge opportunity and it's a huge potential time for new and interesting products, new and interesting methods. So many different avenues that people can go down out there. So get busy, get the, get those Leonardo's out there, get them, get them working. That's what I say. Well, we, I mean, we've heard guests talk about, um, you know, a mindset shift and 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 that's exactly what you're saying there you know it's about not thinking oh this is what we've got to do because regulations are coming in or because this is changing or these materials aren't going to be allowed anymore it's about what can i do to be part of the solution of this huge problem that we're all dealing with and actually from a business perspective getting in there early and doing things ahead of any regulations and things that may come and being known as being that innovator that's going to be good for business yeah, without the shadow of a doubt, the compound interest effect, it's basically when everybody commits to something, the strength of, of that um, compounded unity is a very, very powerful force. And I agree with you, you know, if you are a business owner, getting in first is always a good uh, thing to do. I, I really do think the the mindset that you spoke about there and, and the, the shift in the mindset is is a huge part of this. And it has to happen uh, across all spectrums. It has to happen at government level. It has to happen at business owner level. It has to happen at, you know, the movers and shakers in this world. They need to, to start realizing that they can still make money, but they don't have to do it in, in a way that is, is causing a negative effect to the world. They can be, you know, come be, be part of something good rather than just trying to be part of something that is financially making them millionaires, billionaires, whatever it is. You know, you know, we've got to obviously live within our means and we've got to make sure that, you know, we don't start doing silly things like, you know, suddenly going out and buying something that we can't afford just because it's, you know, good for, for you know, sustainability or something like that. You have to, and, and we that, that's why I think we need help from the governments and we need grants and we need subsidence to help change people's minds and to, to help them um, retrofit their homes, to, to help businesses change how they do things. People may say that's an expensive, you know, it's going to be a huge expense to try and change those things. But think about the actual cost if we don't do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, Pete, always good to chat. By the way, have you had your invite yet to the Constructive Voices uh, Christmas party? I don't seem to have got got mine. (laughs) I think we're all going to head to the North Pole for this one and meet Santa (laughs) himself, you know. Why not? Talk to you next time. Cheers, mate. Talk soon. Bye-bye. And the next time will be our end-of-year look back at the many fascinating and insightful guests we've featured on Constructive Voices since launching back in the spring. Subscribe or follow to get that episode and more automatically using your favourite podcast app. And you can find out more about us at constructive-voices.com. Don't forget the dash. And find us on social media. Until next time, have a great Christmas. And thanks for listening. You're really helping us build something. (laughs) 